London Calling. David here with Beatles expert Richard Porter, London Walks Guide, Richard Porter. Uh, hello, David. Hello, hello. It's uh, another uh, Today in London History episode, and today is June 1st, and I think the year we're in is 1967. So, Richard, That's something right. happened in, uh, on June 1st, 1967. In, in your world, in the, in, the, in the Beatles' world. Can you tell us a bit about that? It did. It was the official release date of Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The Beatles, well, most famous album, I suppose. Was it? So uh, when had it been recorded and where? Tell, tell me all about it. When had it been recorded? Where had it been recorded? It was, well, it was recorded for about four months. Because uh, the Beatles had given up touring in August 66 because they couldn't be heard in concert above the Screaming Girls. And they really confined themselves to the recording studio after that. And um, they took as long as they wanted to on Sgt. Pepper. So it's the longest recording they made in terms of time recorded. And they just locked themselves in the studio and recorded the album, basically. Was this at Abbey Road then? It was, yes. I see. And it became their, one of their tools because they looked, George Martin was great as a producer and he put all their weird ideas into, you know, music. And he was very much the fifth Beatle in the studio. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm, I'm very interested in that. They're not being able to be heard in concert because of the yeah. Screaming Girls. When, when did that first start? When did they become aware of that? When, when were they aware? Do we know when they were aware that it became a problem and we've got to do something about this? Um, I mean, the girls have been screaming at them for a long time. But uh, when they started playing in outdoor stadium, it's been said the Beatles invented stadium rock, but didn't invent the technology to go with it. So they were playing in places like Shea Stadium, which are you know, baseball ground and um, didn't have a PA system. This was in the PA of the stadium. Went for messages to crowds, not for music. They didn't have monitors for their own music. They couldn't hear themselves. Really? So, and then, of course, after John Lennon made the comment about the Beatles being more popular than Jesus Christ in the interview with Maureen Cleave, London Evening Standard. He was saying it as a bad thing, but in the, in the southern states it was taken as a, a boast. And it wasn't like that at all. But I just, just first said enough is enough and just gave up touring and became a recording group. Uh-huh. Are, are there recordings of that Shea Stadium thing? Can, can you hear them? Oh, yes. Screaming? It was filmed. It's a big film. Beatles Love at Shea Stadium, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you can hear the music. Is but it all of it, it was actually case. overdubbed afterwards. Is it absolutely the case that the girls are extremely shrill? And oh, exactly. Yeah, just just noise above. You know, you can hear the whole whole concert. I doubt if the, any of the audience heard the Beatles, or very few at least. When was that, Richard? That was '65. Uh, and and first how many one. people were were at Shea Stadium? Uh, Fifty-six thousand. Fifty-six thousand. <laughs> yeah. It was the first major outdoor stadium gig, basically. Oh, really? Yeah. And how much were those kids paying for a ticket? What, what did a ticket cost then? I can't remember offhand. It was a couple of dollars, probably. I can't right. remember exactly, but it um, wasn't right. much. Yeah. 
So they had a powwow afterward. Uh, this isn't yeah. working. We can't be heard. We can't hear ourselves. Yeah. Is that, is that yes. right? That's what so I had a few months off doing various things and then got together to do Sergeant Pepper. Uh-huh. And how much of Sergeant Pepper had been written and who wrote what and where, what was the inspiration? Ooh, loads of different things. It's uh, a green story. A lot of the, st- the songs, even though very psychedelic, were very um, mundane influences. Uh, for instance, A Day in a Life. It's newspaper stories that John Lennon read. Uh, one was about his friend Tara Brown, who died in a car accident. Uh, that's the bit that he blew his mind out in the car. Uh-huh. The bit about the 4,000 holes in Blackburn, Lancashire. It's holes in the road, uh-huh. potholes. That became that line. Um, other songs like She's Leaving Home was about a girl called Melanie Coe who had left home. She was about 16 and uh, she had a very um, upper class, well, upper, upper middle class upbringing and had all the material things you wanted, but not the love. Uh-huh. That's about that. But what Paul McCartney didn't realise, he had actually met her. She was a dancer on Ready, Steady, Go, top TV show. Uh-huh. And they'd done a thing where people were asked to mime to Let's, let's Jump the Broomstick by Peggy Lee. Mm-hmm. And there's four girls, and she won the prize. And she was given her prize by Paul McCartney. This is in 1963, so, four, so three or four years before she's leaving home. Yeah. So how yeah. many months were in the writing then? A lot of it was done during the album was re- recording, uh, but John Lennon written, well, Strawberry Fields Forever wasn't on the album, but it was meant to be. But that was written in El Maria, Spain, when he was doing the film High on the Wall. But um, EMI wanted a single uh, uh, released quickly, and so Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields Forever were taken off the album and released as singles instead. Uh-huh. They're really going to be on the album. And did, did they go along? They must have gone along and rehearsed the, the song. Is that right? Did yeah, I mean, they, they basically rehearsed in the studio. So that they had the recording time they needed, so they did lots of rehearsing uh-huh. before doing the recording. And probably, you know, re- rewritten the songs as well during that time. Uh-huh. And was this whole thing then recorded on... Oh, sorry, it was released on on this day, is that It was, day? yeah, that, June the 1st. Right? Yeah, that's right. Yes. So how and it was uh, well received, to say the least. Was it? How many, how many did they sell? Uh, it became the best-selling studio album of all time in the UK. and still is now. Yeah, only a couple of greatest hits albums were sold more. Oh. Abba and Queen. I'm interested in the, the production, Richard. How, um, yeah. They, they finished the recording, and then how long did it take what, they had to design a cover for the album? And yeah, and of course, that was a major thing. That was designed by Peter Blake and his wife, Jan Howarth, who were uh, pop artists. Uh-huh. And uh, that's through Paul McCartney. He was a good friend of Robert Fraser, a well-known art dealer, had an art gallery in Mayfair, uh-huh. which Paul was at all the time. And it's through Robert Fraser he got in touch with uh, Peter Blake. Uh-huh. and Jan Howarth, and they designed the cover. And the Beatles were asked to choose their favourite people to be in the cover around the Beatles. And of course, you had the Beatles in their Sergeant Pepper gear, but right by them was the Beatles' waxworks from Madame Two Swords uh-huh. from a few years ago, showing this sort of change of image. Uh-huh. 
from their stay suits to their Sergeant Pepper, you know, psychedelic gear. Yeah. So was it a matter of weeks from the time when they finished the recording to its being released? Uh, yeah, it wasn't that long. It was finished in April 67 and released on June the 1st. And was there much advanced publicity that this thing is coming Yes, out? absolutely. Uh, it's funny, actually, because... In those days, groups of artists released, released records, you know, very quickly after each other. But the Beast hadn't released anything for ages. Well, in, in comparison to nowadays, it wasn't as quick. Uh-huh. But uh, in the I mean, ITV the documentary is saying, oh, what are the Beatles doing? What, what are they? they even had uh, interviews outside uh, Abbey Road Studios, interviewing the Beatles as they were going and saying, well, what are you doing? You know, you know, when are you going to release any more music? So uh, people were blown away when Sgt. Pepper came out. It's a great story that um, just four days after the release on June the 4th, Jimi Hendrix played at the Savile Theatre in London and he started his set playing Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, the title track, and blew everyone away, including Paul McCartney, who was in the audience. And every concert Paul McCartney gives since, he tells that story about Jimi Hendrix doing, doing Sgt. Pepper. Uh-huh. He's blown away by it. And what happened then immediately afterward? Did it, were, were they in London or did they disperse? Did they go somewhere or... Uh... Um, well, they. What were their movements? Not long after that, they did the um, "All You Need Is Love" on the Our World TV show, which was an uh, international satellite broadcast in front of like four hundred million people. That was on June the twenty fifth, sixty seven. Uh-huh. Uh But then, not long after that, Brian Epstein died uh-huh. in August sixty seven. Right. And I think that kind of changed things for yeah. them. It wasn't long after that they got in, they got involved with the Maharishi. Uh-huh. And went to India. So and they did their film Magical Mystery Tour, which is kind of weird. Would it be fair to say then that uh June the first, nineteen sixty seven is one of the biggest dates in the one of the most important dates in the in the Beatles calendar in in the history of the Beatles? Yeah, I think so. It was a very important album for them and for music. Although uh, the <laughs> Sergeant Pepper's gone up and down in people's estimations over the years. It's gone in and out of fashion over the years, uh-huh. but I think it's back in again now. Right. Because it was so advanced. People thought it was like over the top. Some people, sometimes it was like over the top at times, but you know. And you know what I'm going to do now, Richard? I'm going to go away and listen to it, <laughs> which is what we want. When, which, which of your two walks does it come into, or does it come into both of them? Uh, well, see, Abbey Road um, is, is, no, we do Abbey Road Studios, so that's the one it's most in. Um, well, both of the walks go to the Abbey, Abbey they Road. They do, studios. they both do, exactly. Yes. Okay. And um, I sort of mentioned about, you know, the lead up to it. Um, if we I go to Brian Epstein's offices on the Magic Mystery Tour, that's where John gave the. Uh, more popular than Jesus interview, and I uh-huh. talk about the end of touring and stuff. Uh-huh. And how they became a, re- a recording group after that. Uh-huh. Just one more thing I should say. Yeah, I think that Sergeant Pepper can only be made in London. Why is all that? the influences, not only music, but all the, the fashion and stuff, the, you know, the, the faux military uniforms. There was a shop called I was Lord Kitchener's Valet, which uh, sold these sort of faux military uniforms, the pop art, people like Peter Blake and Jan Howarth, 
it was very much a London album. Going, could it be made in London, really? And, of course, Abbey Road Studios as well, and the people there, like George Martin. Sure. Very good. Okay, and thanks very much, Richard. And a Today in London recommendation? Well, it couldn't be more obvious, could it? Go on one or both of Richard's Beatles walks. They go on Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturday, and Sundays. Full details on www.walks.com. You've been listening to the Today in London History podcast, emanating from www.walks.com, home of London Walks, London's signature walking tour company, London's multi-award winning walking tour company, London's only award winning walking tour company. The London Walking Tour Company that uniquely fronts its walks with accomplished professionals, barristers, doctors, geologists, archaeologists, authors. Richard, for example, has written a couple of books on the Beatles, criminal defense lawyers, Royal Shakespeare Company actors, historians, Guide of the Year Award winners. Well, you get the idea. As that journalist said... If this were a golf tournament, every name on the leaderboard would be a London Walks guide. And as we say it, guides who make the new familiar and the familiar new. And on that agreeable note, come then, let us go forward together on some great London Walks. Good luck and good Londoning. See you tomorrow.